If your job is on life support, you need the job doctor. My brain is a walking database of thousands of case studies on how careers rise and fall. I'll help you diagnose what's really going on. It's the guidance you need to get back on track from someone who's been there. You can make the money you always wanted to make, doing the type of work you have always wanted to do. You may just need a little help from the job doctor. Hello, everyone, and welcome. The job doctor is in today. Today, we are going to talk about pivots. That seems to be a really hot topic with a lot of people deciding or rethinking what they want to be when they grow up. And today, we have Michael on the phone. Uh, Michael, welcome to the show. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Michael, give give me just a little bit of an idea before we drill in. Uh, what industry are you in? So I have been working on the B2B side of life, okay. uh, a lot in technology and financial services, very regulated industries. Okay. And what kind of job do you have? It's typically been uh, a marketing, uh, somewhere in the marketing department, typically content marketing, social media uh, communication, so on and so forth. Great. Okay. With that backdrop, tell me what kind of uh, question brings you to the show today? Well, as you said, you know, pivots are definitely on top of mind for a lot of folks and, and including myself. And so now that I'm in a transition period between roles, I'm looking you know, for my next job, obviously. And what I'm seeming to find a lot is that I'm getting a lot of responses when I apply for roles or I network for roles that follow very closely to my most recent title or titles. Right. Um, in my most recent roles, for instance, I served as a content marketing manager and then as a director of marketing and communications. And so the roles that I'm getting responses for, they basically follow that mm-hmm. example pretty quickly. So my question is, how do you make if not a full pivot, you know, like I'm not looking to go from marketing to, I don't know, culinary skills or Mm -hmm. something, you know, becoming a chef. Uh, But how do you make a uh, inroads when you want to make a minor pivot? So instead of being a director of marketing communications, I would like to be, as an example, maybe look into marketing ops or a sales enablement manager, you know, very closely related, Mm -hmm. but not quite in the the same same family. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a great question. First of all, you know, you're, for an analogy, your resume is a ham sandwich and you're looking for a turkey sandwich. So, you know, you've got the lettuce, the, the tomatoes, the pickles, whatever's on there, but you got to change out the meat. And what's difficult is because you've probably written your resume, like most people, and I'm just going to lump you in, I haven't seen your resume. Most people describe their job on their resume, uh, they, they basically give a job description. And when you give a job description, they're seeing the ham sandwich. They're not seeing the turkey sandwich. So there's a couple things to do. The first thing I would do is I would talk about outcomes more than I would talk about my job description. So what did I accomplish there? And how do I know it was better than somebody else? Or another way to say it is, before I came, this is what the company, the condition they were in, after I left, this is what condition my department or role was in. And when you start to talk about outcomes, that helps. The other thing is the top 30 of your resume is the very most important part of your resume. And most people 
are waiting for someone else to look at it and draw the conclusion of what they should be and how they fit in. But I want you to be more directive in your resume. And if you don't have a banner at the very top that says three key words about your, what you want to be in, you know, if it's uh, marketing operations might be one of your key words, content management might be a key word. I don't know what else, you know, you're doing there, but you, you give them the keywords, you feed, you feed them what you want them to understand about you at the very, very top. And then make sure if you do it like an objective or a summary at the top, make sure that it, it speaks to those three things and not other stuff. Then I would do a section, a very short one. Most people just list skills, right? Oh, I do this, 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 this. I don't want you to do that. I want you to say professional or business highlights. And then pick the outcomes that are most relevant to the job you want, not the job you last had. So pick the outcomes that tie back to marketing communications or marketing operations or whatever it is that you want so that they can see in that top third of the resume, they haven't given up on you. That's where you get their attention and that's what'll get them to read the rest. So that's number one is kind of the resume. The other thing I want you to do is go find the job descriptions that you want. I call it lift and shift. I don't want you to lie about your job, but you lift the requirements from the job you want to the degree you can. You might have to make a couple of modifications so that it's honest and true, but you are trying to speak the language of the other job. And where you have deficiencies in your skills, which you will because it's a pivot, I want you to go online and find Where the skill deficiency is, find a quick certification or a quick course you can take online, add it to your resume because it then begins to at least tell the story. I did this other thing, but I'm preparing for the new thing. Your resume automatically will match the computer algorithms better, and they're not going to give up on you when a real person sees your resume on the top because you're positioning yourself differently. Does that make sense? No, that absolutely makes sense. It's something I did earlier in my career when I was looking to kind of branch out and try to get to that next level. Mm-hmm. I took, I became certified, for instance, in marketing. Having Google Analytics skills is very important. Yeah. I didn't have them at one point. So I took a training course, I think from LinkedIn, actually, mm-hmm. and was able to add that to my resume. And I definitely saw a lift you know, from that. So I get what you're saying. I hadn't thought of it though, as something to do now, even in my more, to politely put it, advanced stage of my career, Mm -hmm. where I only thought of training and certification as something you do maybe in the earlier or middle part of your career. So no, that's- And you sound a little bit older as well for my average caller. And so as you age, we sometimes think- I've got the experience, therefore, I don't need to stay current on stuff. But people who are looking at your resume and can see that you have 15 years of experience, there are people that are going to discriminate and go, this is an old guy. And so the way that you overcome, this is an old guy who does things the old ways, is you show, I'm actually still learning. And it really benefits your resume in multiple ways to show that you're still a learner without needing to say, I'm a learner. So that's why I recommend that you do that. You know, the power also, you know, I talked about those three words at the beginning to frame yourself and who you are. Another example would be, uh, you know, for me personally as an HR person, if I chose three words and just said human resources, management, um, 
compensation, recruiting. That's kind of a generalized HR person. That's not very interesting to the companies I want to work for. So I would use words like mergers and acquisitions expert, HR infrastructure build out, strategic succession planning. And all of a sudden now, small to medium companies who need to grow fast are saying, that's my match. Just with three keywords on my resume, I'm starting to frame for them who I am and why I could solve problems for them. And that's what I need you to do with those three words that you pick. You might even have to do a little research on the company to understand what the problems are. And then you pick the right words that draw them in because then they go, that's what I've been looking for. (laughs) You're you're basically identifying the problems that they're going to have and that you can solve immediately out of the gate with your resume. It also sounds like too that that helps, you know, the difference that you just outlined there really makes sense to me because it sounds like in a way you're also making yourself less generic and more of a real mm-hmm. person with real skills to offer as opposed to, like I said, just a generic, you know, well, I do recruiting, I do X, Y, Z. Well, they probably have right. 8,000 resumes from people who are saying the same thing. Whereas you're saying, it's not that I just do this. I actually do. You hone, right. you hone in on it. You so hon- like yeah, you picked up on that. I love that you picked up on it because most people think I have to be more broad so that I don't miss out on opportunities. And the more broad you are, the less opportunities you're going to get. That's almost always the problem. When I visit resumes with people not getting jobs, I'm like, you're way too broad. If you think about me looking for a job, if I were to go in with a value proposition and say, I'm a 25-year HR veteran and I uh, have run HR for companies for 20 years and run recruiting, compensation, training, you know, help solve problems, hire and fire people. I'm like, okay, that's great. But every single other person that has 25 years of experience looks exactly the same. But if I go into that same company with a very niche value proposition and say, I'm the person you want to hire, if you need to grow this company fast and you need to scale quickly, I put infrastructure in place so that you can scale. I help with mergers and acquisitions growth, and I help companies go public. Uh, That's what I do. Then all of a sudden, the company that is looking for me, that person is extremely excited. And so getting more niche, even though it's counterintuitive, actually helps you get the job more. It's honestly, you you uh, spoke the magic words to me at, that appealed to me as a marketer because what you just described is how you do more effective marketing. Right, uh, right. A lot, of, a lot of companies make that same mistake. They try to be everything to everyone and you find that you're, you basically become generic. Whereas mm-hmm. what you're saying is market yourself more niche and basically deliver true value. That's how you get noticed. Yeah. And let's face it, we're marketing ourselves here. If not, um, the product is, you know, us. So, you know, ourselves as individuals. So uh, you're speaking to my marketing brain. Yes, I can tell you understand this concept very well. And it, it just works because I can tell you also from someone who looks at thousands of resumes, if everybody has 20 years of HR experience in this example, they all look the same unless they can give me a value proposition that speaks to the problems that they can solve for me. And the way you do that is you get niche or you share outcomes because outcomes can set you apart because so few people do that on their resume. 
I call it the greatest hits. What are your greatest hits that you've actually done? So that would be my advice there. I, I love it. No, that's uh, great advice. You're teaching this old dog a few new tricks. So. <laughs> well, considering, you know, we've kind of talked about, just briefly touched on this idea that age matters and that there's people that discriminate against age. I will also sure. add this little nugget in. If your resume is in a Times New Roman font, I know you're old. Okay, so that is also something that you need to pay attention to. And I don't know what your age is exactly, but I would go to a more modern font like a Calibri or something that feels more modern. It will change the look and feel of your resume almost immediately on that. Hmm. And I would also carry over your LinkedIn guy. It sounds like you spend a lot of time there. People that are over 40 on LinkedIn or 45 always are like, what do I do? Like, I feel like my LinkedIn's professional. And I look and the first thing I see is a picture of them. It looks like their parents. I mean, they're in a suit or, you know, some really, really super professional headshot. And that is not going to get you the job. It works against you. You need to have a colorful picture. You need to look, you know, business casual, the, the whole Lululemon look and, you know, look like you're still alive. Have some color in that background. Don't dress in something formal. You know, you're not your parents. So I don't know what your picture looks like on LinkedIn, but check it for color and make sure that you're not overly uh, formal because that formula is disaster. No problem. No, I, and also probably along those lines too, you should make sure it's relatively current too. Yes. I had, a, yes. Uh, I had, I had an old boss who, uh, not naming names and it was a long time ago, but uh, who used to use a photo of himself from like, I think 11 years or 12 years before. And I'm like, um, you know, you're a great guy, but you don't have those muscles anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I get why people do it. They don't want people to discriminate, but then they're ultimately going to see you. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, current picture. That's a great tip too. So, yeah. so tell me what else is on your mind around the job searches. There are other things that you're finding or getting in the way for you or things that barriers you're hitting up against. You know, I am finding uh, what it's interesting, and I would love your take on this, is when I send out a resume, um, you know, you apply, I always follow up and use LinkedIn to find mm -hmm. the hiring manager or the recruiter in charge, because I don't want to just leave it up to fate and the automated applicant tracking system to, yes. you know, base the black hole, basically. Mm -hmm. So. I will follow up. Who do you feel is the better person to follow up with? Is it the hiring manager, uh, you know, whether it be a VP, uh, CEO, or, you know, what have you, depending on the organization, or is it the talent acquisition specialist or the recruiter? Um, mm -hmm. You know, who, who can you make deeper and bigger impact with first? Uh, you know, because I've seen advice that lends you both ways. It says, you know, you should go from the top and let them and go from there. Whereas I've also seen other advice, people saying, well, no, you should go to HR first because mm -hmm. they own the process. Yeah, so, it, it's as varied as the company. And so you cover both ends of the spectrum. You never okay. know. Some companies, the recruiter holds a ton of power and the hiring manager says, I don't want to see, talk to anybody until you're down to three top candidates. And in other companies, a hiring manager is very involved in the whole process and wants to engage. It can't hurt you. My advice to people when they're looking for jobs is you should do anything that can help you and just stay away from the things that hurt you. And this just stacks more points in your potential, you know, plus column because 
you're working both ends of that spectrum. Now, you may have to work them slightly different. For a hiring manager, I personally like to do like a, as you're looking for a job, I like you to do a three-month strategy to look for a job because I don't like people reaching out to me cold on LinkedIn and saying, hey, I want a job. Can you get me a job? Can you get me a job? I want a job with you. Can you get me a job? I hate that. But I do like people who all of a sudden follow me and make comments on what I'm posting about and then send me maybe an article that is relevant to whatever is interesting to me or what I'm talking about on LinkedIn said, hey, I thought you'd enjoy this article. And then nurtures it and hits me up and says, hey, I'm kind of interested in your company. I know she have a role open. Um, Then I'm much more receptive because I don't know if other people's LinkedIn boxes are like mine, but I probably get 20 sales pitches to one actual, I want to get to know you message. So I start to just tune it out. Yep, same here. No, Mm -hmm. in fact- that is something that I have, uh, as the marketing guy, uh, quote unquote, yep. uh, years, I have advised salespeople, you know, you have, to, there's a reason it's called social media. You know, I always tell people, it's like, you got to be social and just like you wouldn't, you know, to amuse people, I'll use, uh, I compare sometimes sales to dating mm-hmm. and I, well, a lot of times sell salespeople, you know, just like you wouldn't you know, get down on your knees and propose marriage to someone that you literally just contacted and just met on, within the first few minutes of your date, you have to nurture the relationship and build the trust and yes. all those things so that um, you have, A, you have credibility when you do ask, but also B, more importantly, there's that relationship. They know you, yes. you're not just a generic person. You're actually a... Um, in a world that sometimes feels like there's not a lot of trust, mm-hmm. you become a source of trust. Yeah. The sales and marketing principles apply exactly to getting a job. And my daughter's in PR and she's really, really good at what she does. And they were saying, why, why is your close rate so high with these top tier publications? And you're getting them to, p- you're pitching articles that we've tried to pitch and they say yes to you. She said, because I find out what they're interested in and I talk to them about that. And that is true with jobs too. When you go after somebody and say, I want a job, can you help me? That's about you. But when you say, wow, that's really interesting what you were saying on your LinkedIn post about this. Here's an article I think you would enjoy. That is about them. So know about them. Talk about them and come at things from where they're at and what they're interested in. My daughter literally for somebody in a top tier publication that wouldn't talk to any PR firms looked at this person's Instagram and said, I think you're going on a vacation to Moab. Um, I happen to be an expert in Moab. I've been there many times. Here's a couple of restaurants you can eat at. Here's a really good trail you shouldn't miss. Um, Just wanted to let you know. P.S. Would love to talk to you about this particular article. That's it. She got the deal. And so just use the same principle when you're getting a job. No, that makes absolute sense. I mean, again, it's social media for a reason. Right. You You know, People are not shy about sharing what interests them, and it's not always about their work. So, right, make you know, there's a just like you make friends and you know by common interests and you know appealing mm-hmm. to their the things that interest them and fascinate them. It sounds like it just it makes sense to do the same thing whether you're pitching a high tier publication or right. a uh, a corporate recruiter for looking for a job. 
Well, you're spot on, and I, I couldn't have said it better. So to conclude today, I think I want everybody to know, and you in- included, I'm going to send you this um, after the show, but I'll send you a template for this resume that I want you to kind of consider using. And again, highlight the three words you want them to focus on, get really clear on your value proposition, very niche, and what are my greatest hits, top business highlights. That's what I want the top 30 of your resume to look like. And I think you'll find that that automatically is going to help you generate some better um, interest in the jobs that you're interested in. And for those listening, that will also be on my website and you're welcome to go to thejobdoctor.com and get a download of that. So thank you so much for joining the show. It's been a pleasure having you. Check in with us and let us know if the changes actually work and, and if you see some more traction. Certainly, definitely will do. Thanks again. If you like my podcast, you will absolutely love my book. It's called The Unspoken Truths for Career Success, Navigating Pay, Promotions, and Power at Work. I wrote it because I could see that people didn't understand why some people got ahead and some people's career stayed stagnant. So if you're interested in building a more frictionless career path for yourself and having a better experience with work, this is a book that you need to have. It's called The Unspoken Truths for Career Success. You can buy it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or go to my website at thejobdoctor.com.